This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice and all the latest developments in human resource management. Welcome to another episode of the HR in Review pod. I'm your guest host today, Bill Bannum. We're living through tough times. Just as we thought that we'd got through the worst of the pandemic, we were hit with knock-on effects like labour shortages, supply chain issues and recessions around the world all exacerbated by an awful war in Ukraine. And let's not forget the impact Brexit is now having on the economy and on the union. So what's the result? Well, the UK is staring at the strong possibility of a very difficult 2023 and 2024. Nevertheless, says today's guest, change can be what you make of it. My guest this time is Steve Folger, Director of HR Services and Organizational Design at Connor, the people and change experts who help organizations to evolve and thrive through times of turbulence and change. Listen as we discuss some of the commercial and economic conditions that are having the biggest impact on companies' decisions at the moment. We also consider how the recession in the UK will affect HR decision making in the next 12 to 24 months. Now, I recorded this conversation with Steve back in October, and it's incredible to think how much has changed since then. So, for example, there was another PM by the name of Liz Truss briefly residing at number 10 and putting a wrecking ball to the UK economy. During my conversation with Steve, he offers a quote by Lenin. There are decades when nothing happens, and there are weeks where decades happen. You're not wrong, Steve. So despite a few parts of this episode seemingly slightly out of whack with the situation now in December, and thank goodness for the current wonderful distraction of the World Cup, by the way, overall, this chat looks ahead and I believe will help you and your organization take a more proactive and positive approach to any upcoming roadblocks. Here's my conversation with Steve Folger. Steve, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the HR In Review podcast. Thanks very much, Bill. Real pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invite. Okay, Steve, why don't you start now by introducing yourself, taking a minute or two and telling our listeners all about yourself. Yeah, no problem at all. So I'm a a fellow of the CIPD. I've been working broadly in HR for um, 20 years plus now. Um, I've looked after lots more teams than just HR. So the typical things you'd expect a HR director to get involved in, like learning development, health and safety. But I've also looked after legal teams, catering teams, security teams, operational teams. So I've always had kind of this broad spectrum across the business. Um, in the boards I've sat in, um, I've done non-executive work, but I've also done executive work across multiple industries. Um, moved to Connor fairly recently. Um, because before that, I was uh, they were one of my suppliers. They did a great job for us. So I thought, right, this is a great business. And I want to sit on the other side of the fence and take all the things I've learned and help other people. This edition of HR in Review is a special guest episode brought to you in partnership with our friends at the North American-based HR Chat podcast, a podcast focused on interviews with HR, talent and tech experts. You host Connor Conversations. Tell me about the podcast and a couple of the most interesting or impactful conversations that you've had on the show so far. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, it's um, something we've I've kind of 
come new to. I'm trying to learn from the best people like yourselves. Um, and in terms of what we've been doing recently, we did some fun stuff um, around the Commonwealth Games because I was lucky enough to speak to a gold medal winner, but also lucky enough to speak to someone who was a pioneer in rugby sevens back in 1998. So those were good fun. We tried to link them back into the business world because that's our typical uh, listenership. Um, but I suppose the two that are probably most interesting for me, um, one would be around the menopause, where we had a lovely lady on who had spoke at the British um, AGM around uh, menopause um, earlier this year, um, a lady called Anjanette Fraser, who's absolutely fantastic and really forward thinking and can see where things are heading in that world and what value there is and at a point where we've got a world that is really uncertain, a point where we're not valuing all the things we should value. She's finding value. She's finding ways forward and solutions. So that was a really interesting one to do. And then one of the ones we've done more recently um, was recognising a lot of people we're talking to when we're talking about organisational design. Um, and I say, what's your organisational design? The first thing they tell me is what their organisational structure is. So we did a podcast around an organisational design for one to remove the myth that organizational design is all about organizational culture. And what we did was really got into the um, details of what running a business is all about. So looking at the commercials, looking at when it's right to add ahead, looking at who your backers are, looking at what your external support is, looking at what your vision is, all of those kind of things that you kind of need from the one side of building a long-term plan that you might need to with your investors and your bank through to short-term plan and about what have you got to get done today? So those are probably two of the most interesting ones we've done recently. What are the trends that you're seeing in HR at the minute then? We are living through ext extraordinary times, Steve. Um, so maybe you can tell us what you're seeing. Okay, so I think what I'm seeing is a bit of panic at the moment from some people that we're talking to. We're seeing a lot of people who um, have gone through interviews, come into jobs and then realise they're not quite ready for that job. Um, but because the market's kind of put them in a position where the opportunity is there, they've taken it and then they're asking for support and we can help them and we're happy to help them and do all the right things. But there's definitely a bit of panic out there at the moment. We're seeing a lot of short term thinking. We're seeing a lot of sticking plasters being put on things and we're seeing a lot of people move stuff out to the right. So they've got a need today. They are on a burning platform. But while they're on a burning platform, they're also in a position where they've got pressure from internally in terms of what budget they've got to spend. They've got pressure internally from where they focus their time and their priorities. So we're seeing a lot of short term thinking that will get them through a few of the firefights now, but isn't going to get them moving in the right direction. A great example to kind of share would probably be things like during COVID, people really stepped up their game in the well-being space and looked at what their well-being strategies were, how they were supporting their people, how they could move stuff forward. They probably should have moved forward before that. They shouldn't have needed a trigger for it to happen. Um, but then they kind of went for it. As soon as we start getting towards the end of the COVID, you saw a drop off in that. And there's a real danger in that, that people are just box ticking and not recognising that, you know, we might have a COVID uplift again this year. We might have another issue that comes into there. So I think there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of things people have got to get used to that they're struggling to get used to and they're asking for help. And when they're asking for help, they're then kind of praying they've got the bandwidth and the budget to kind of get that additional support. Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast.
What commercial and economic conditions are having the biggest impact on companies' decisions? And perhaps as part of that answer, you can suggest how is an impending recession in the UK affecting HR decision-making for 2023 and beyond? Yeah, so we're definitely seeing short-termism again with that, and we're definitely seeing sticking plasters over there. I think when you go from one week to the next or even one day to the next where there's this constant change, you know, to see a U-turn in such a short space of time after we've just seen a new leader into the party, after we've just seen a change to the monarchy, after we've had four years of black swans. So, you know, those black swans being Brexit, the pandemic, what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, the energy crisis. You mean, these are all things that businesses might want to prepare for once every 10 years. In recently, they've having to prepare for them like on a constant basis. And some businesses will be absolutely fine in some ways through that because they'll have done their scenario planning. They'll have been proactive. They'll have been looking for that day when it came. They probably won't have planned for four to all happen at once. So every business will be impacted in some way, shape or form. But we're definitely seeing that um, you, you can't even guarantee what you're going to wake up to in the morning. So you've got to be flexible. You've got to be adaptable. And you've kind of got to look at where you're going. We hear a lot talked about in kind of the VUCA space. So the volatile and certain complex and ambiguous space. And I think all of those things kind of suggest that you can't take any gambles. You've got to be kind of ready to adapt the next day and kind of um, not be looking too far forward. But I think if you take the VU, the C and the A, I saw a brilliant thing shared online the other day that really struck me, which is if you make the V vision, the U understanding, the C clarity and the A agility, that's a better way of looking at it. Because I think volatile and certain complex and ambiguous so all sound quite negative, all sound quite scary. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a way forward. But if you connect all of those things together, so like vision, normally historically you'd have said, well, three years out from now, what are we going to look like? Five years out from now, what are we going to look like? Right now, people are going, what are we going to look like tomorrow? But if you've got a vision, it doesn't have to be a three-year plan. doesn't have to be a five-year plan. In fact, I'd say that was quite dangerous in most situations. There's definitely some businesses that would benefit from it, but most won't. Have that vision, something you can all go, we're all behind this, we all know what we're doing, but have the agility to move around on that as it comes up. Because when you've got the IMF coming in from one side and telling um, the UK government and the Bank of England, you've got your economic policy wrong, and then we're seeing that played out in terms of how the dollar is impacted against sterling, how the um, sterling is impacted against the euro. You know we're in for some kind of um, troublesome times and we've kind of got a plan for that now and almost predict where we're heading. It's difficult to predict, but you can't afford to ignore it. You've got to have a plan of some sort, but it doesn't need to be a three year or a five year plan. Okay, and what are your predictions then for the UK labour market in 2023? Is it as dismal as we all think it will be? Um, I think you will st still see low um, unemployment rates. And that's because I think we're in a different recession than we've ever been before. I can't ever remember a recession where candidates held all of the keys to the kind of market in terms of where we're going unless we kind of move from recession to depression which any economist listening to this now will be horrified of even mentioning the word um, we we won't see a shift that will change those dynamics dramatically you know i think you can look at how you get boomers back into the workplace um, i wrote an article not that long ago about the amount of volunteers that were at the commonwealth games and if you look at why they volunteered 
they're all things that businesses could do. If as a business you focused on what are the things I could offer to someone like a purpose, like flexible working, whatever it might be that would make them sticky to my business, things like benefits and pay and things like that become secondary. But I think so many businesses with the short term focus are looking at, well, what are other businesses doing? What do I need to pay? What do I need to do with benefits? You're actually making the situation worse by trying to stick a number against it. And that's not going to solve the problem. One of the things I've seen most recently that gave me hope was something I've kind of thought is been missing for a while. And that is when our business is going to get more in tune with the learning process. And if you look at Jaguar Land Rover, they're investing quite a lot right now in terms of giving people the skills that they're missing to come and do the jobs. They recognize there is a labor market available to them. And then to bring those people in, they need to take ownership of upskilling them and making them the right people for them. Too often in the past, we've waited for the education sector to kind of change. And it's not going to change. It's too big a beast. It's a super tanker that um, takes years and years to turn around. So we've kind of got to take action as businesses and kind of see where we go. Of course, the government's got a part to play. Of course, education's got a part to play. But if you need to fix a problem now, you've got to take ownership of that. And I think that will help the marketplace. Uh, what, what's the worst that can happen? We end up with loads of skilled people that are globally attractive, even if we haven't got the roles for them in the UK. But let's face it, it's going to it's such a big gap to fill. Just filling the UK vacancies is going to be difficult. So I don't see any changes from the um, economic conditions around the labour force. I do see a change in the way people react to it. If you enjoy the HR in Review podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. This helps others find us and grow our community of HR and related professionals. Times are tough, Steve, and you recently shared 10 strategies to help companies be recession-proof, or at least as recession-proof as possible. Can you run through some of those with me now? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it was something we wrote when we thought the recession was impending i was fairly certain it was already here and because we're owned by an american company i'd kind of got really good insight of what was happening in the us already but i've been through recessions before and i looked at what strategies businesses had put in place that had worked and for how many of those will move across into this now for some businesses there's nothing they can do. I've got to put it that bluntly out there because some of the things I'm going to suggest now, they'll go, I'm already doing that. Or they'll go, well, that won't make any difference to me. But there are plenty of businesses we're talking to at the moment that would benefit from these. So one of the things I'd encourage a business to do, for instance, is to understand what their minimum viable business looks like. So in other words, you know, have they got reserves available? What's the smallest team they could operate in? What's the smallest market they could operate in? Because if you understand that, you can design your business around that being your fail safe, your backstop, the thing that makes you survive in the marketplace. So that's one of the first things I'd get people to do. Understand your business and understand what happens when the market contracts and what it does to you. Another one I think is kind of crucial um, around that is looking at where you can pivot. So there are lots of people, for instance, when we went into COVID, who realized that their business was not going to flourish during COVID. So they went, right, what can we do that will make a difference? So I remember 
talking to a company who were in the process of um, providing marquees for weddings. Well, there weren't weddings going on to start with. And when there were, there wasn't enough to uh, warrant a marquee. But they plugged straight into what was happening with COVID. And they provided the marquees that we'll have all gone to when we've gone to get our jobs or when we went to get our tests. So it's about being smart about the situation you're in and looking about where you can go. You know, you can do that on an individual basis as well. Are you in a role that is putting, utilising your capabilities um, effectively in the current marketplace? If they're not, kind of be ready for that. Because obviously we're talking in a recession, if there are redundancies or restructures, not only have businesses got to pivot, potentially so have individuals. And I think the other thing that um, I'd share out of the, the 10 um, is about restructuring now. Uh, one of the things we said a couple of months ago now is don't wait. You have more potential to save people um, from being made redundant if you plan early. Far too often, I will speak to businesses who are in a panic, haven't really understood what goes on through a restructure process, how many days they've got to consult for, and suddenly they want you to effectively change the law they've got to do a 90-day consultation say or a 45-day or a 30-day and they're asking us to do it in 10 and it's like well that's not going to happen and then they're kind of going oh no that's a real problem for us and it's going to create this issue and it's going to create that issue don't wait so look at your requirements now look at what the worst case scenario is look at what changes you've got to make the longer you plan for it, the better the solution will be by the time you get to the other end. So it's kind of accept that the recession is the recession. It will impact all of us in some ways. Some businesses will be impacted positively. Most will not. And those that aren't, you've got to plan now. Um, and as I said earlier on, there's so many people that are putting stuff to the right. And I'm kind of cringing and gritting my teeth when they move stuff to the right because I'm saying, don't do that. This is something that you're going to regret not spending the time planning on it and kind of get ready. Um, it, it's one of those things that I've seen it go wrong so many times. If you think about what a restructure is, it's a change program. And when we're talking about change, we're simply talking about moving from the as is state to the to be state. Most companies can't most companies are unfair. A lot of companies can't determine what their is-is state is. So what chance have they got of determining what their to-be state is? And if you race at that and you run at that in new market conditions that are changing constantly, you're going to fail. 75% of change initiatives fail, according to some reports we've seen over the last few years. Well, I want to be in that space where I'm in the 25% that are successful. I think we're good at doing that as a business and we've got a great record, but the best ones by far are the ones that plan early and get ready for the recession. Because guess what? When the growth starts again, when things start to change, you're positioned for that. If you're still messing around with the things that you got wrong and you left too late to start with, you're not only damaging now, you're damaging the future as well. What are the dangers of looking compliant but not being compliant? I think that some of the things I'd flag that are real dangers are um, employees aren't stupid. They will know something is wrong with the business. They will be waiting for things to happen. And what they won't cope well with is inactivity. What they won't cope well with is uncertainty. They'll want to know as soon as you do that there's going to be changes that are required. Some businesses will be scared that with the marketplace the way it is at the moment, they are going to lose good people. Well, 
if they carry on with uncertainty and they don't move, they're going to lose good people anyway. If you want to be in control of your destiny, if you want to be in control of the decisions you make, the more you communicate, the more you're transparent, the more you live your values, the more chance you've got of people sticking with you. If you're dealing with trade unions, employee forums, difficult individuals, and I'm not saying all the three of those are the same thing, um, I think you're in a situation where um, you've got to get on with that early as well. When you go into consultation around things um, like a redundancy process or restructure, sometimes you're in a no-win situation. And what I mean by that is if you go in with a fully formed plan, you will be criticised for the fact that you're not very flexible on what you're consulting on. But if you go in with an unfulfilled plan that isn't very clear, you'll get criticised for not planning it properly and coming into consultation not ready. Recognise that that's just an emotional reaction to the situation that you're in. But that emotional reaction could have been building for a long period of time, born out of people knowing you've been sat on the decision you needed to make. And while you've done that, they might have missed out on jobs elsewhere. They might have missed out on emplacement or promotions internally. You may have to make more people redundant than you did before because costs have continued to stay the same while the return on investments, i.e. the revenue, still isn't coming in. So people will feel far better if you communicate well, if you're transparent, and if you plan early and you work with them to do the best thing for them, the business and their families. If you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker, or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hrreview.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. Okay, Steve, the next couple of questions are questions that we ask of all of our guests, okay? So don't worry if you repeat a little bit of what you've said so far today, if it supports your answer to the following. And the uh, the, the first of the, these two, actually, we're going to challenge you to answer in about a minute or less. It goes like this. If you could pass on one crucial lesson that you've learned in your career in one minute or less, what would be your top tip for HR pros and leaders? Um, I think I would say context is king. So if you're looking for a generic solution, if you're looking for a stick in plaster, if you're looking to tick boxes and look compliant, you will fail. If you fully understand your business and you fully understand where you want to take things, it will make a difference. Far too often I will get people saying, can you provide this solution that looks like this, but they fail to understand the problem. A really quick example, a company wanted us on site to deliver an hour's worth of training a year to eradicate their bullying and harassment problem. If anyone can do that in an hour, once a year on site, let me know and I'll pass the business across to you myself. Awesome. Thank you very much. Now then, what is the single biggest change that you think will happen in HR and leadership over the next five to 10 years? I know it's a huge question. It's a huge question. And I think I'll kind of refer to Lenin for a second that says, who said there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks when decades happen. At the moment, we're in a space where decades are happening in weeks because of the amount of change that we're going through. So I think I could cheat and kind of say, well, I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen next week because then technically I've answered the next five to 10 years question. But in reality, what I'm trying to get across is we are living the biggest experiment 
um, that's ever been done in the working world at the moment. It was forced upon us by COVID with the hybrid working model kind of coming into place. And I think what you're seeing is lots of people trying to throw sticking plasters at the situation, as I keep repeating. People throwing technology at the solution, but in reality, you'll never take people out of the equation. When you're looking at things like conflict, when you're looking at things like um, supporting people um, through mental health uh, issues and things of that nature, having a person in place is a crucial element that can add a lot of value. So what I think we're gonna see over the next five to 10 years is a balancing of hybrid working versus technology versus people input. And at the moment, I think it's way out of kilter across all three of those. We're in an emerging um, forced upon forced upon a strategy that hasn't leveled out yet. Um, and if you look recently at Microsoft's report that said that 87% um, of managers aren't confident their people are productive, um, the kind of tells you where we're at when you can flip it almost around number for number that the employees that were asked said almost the exact opposite. That is a disproportionate view from each side that leads to things being divisive until we've worked out the right way of working going forward. And just finally for today, Steve, how can our listeners connect with you and learn more about all of you, what you get up to? So there's all sorts of ways they connect with us. You mentioned earlier about Connor Conversations. So if they go onto um, the Connor Consultancy website, you will find blogs on there. You will find stuff on there that we've talked about. Um, in addition, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Come and find me. Um, I'm also, you know, ha happy to help and kind of be involved in other people's networks. So you've been absolutely brilliant to me today, as you have before. And I really want to give a big up to um, Disrupt HR because I was at your London event earlier this year. It was absolutely fantastic. So that deserves um, some plugging and some praise as well. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.